bonus material, bonus material alert. So this is something a little bit different. I recorded this episode about a year and a half ago at ADE before I had come up with the format for Last Party on Earth. So it's not the same. It's really just a deep dive interview talking with a friend. Some things are out of date like cryptocurrency. Some things are eternal like holographic afterlife. I hope you love it. Last here with my good friend, DJ producer, Seth Troxler. Seth is known for his encyclopedic knowledge of early Chicago house, minimal techno, and ambient psychedelia. And talking to him, well, it's just like curling up with a leather-bound volume of your favorite encyclopedia. He is also a cultural commentator, art curator, restaurateur, and entrepreneur. I've personally eaten at over 100 restaurants, so you can bet we had a lot to talk about. Rather than stick to the usual Last Party on Earth format, we went deep on a wide range of subjects. So if you're a Last Party on Earth purist, you're just going to have to sit there and take it. But if you like depth and width, it's time to pump up the volume. So on Valentine's Day, 2009, as fate would have it, that's quite a romantic introduction, I bought a record. I know this only because I looked uh, I looked up on my iTunes library. So I bought a record called uh, Face Tribute to Head. And on the other side, I think it was called Just Your, and it was featuring Baby Prince. And the artist was Sex Trothier, I thought. Maybe it was French or something like that. And in that little, in, in that moment, as, as it, it happens periodically, when you're really just drawn to a record, I loved both tracks. And between the fact that the artist's name, you know, that was actually Sex, and the title names, and the way the music sounded, I heard kind of everything I look for in music. It was like playfulness, there was sex, there was some courage, it was weird, it had a, gr- a sick groove, and all these elements that I really look for in music and in artists. And I knew right away that I was interested in whoever this guy was. And then, uh, I mean, gradually after that, I found you, we became friends and everything. And I want to welcome you to the show, Seth Troxler. Hello, uh, nice, to, nice to meet you. Nice, yeah. nice to speak to you again. I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> Actually, when we met, I was wearing a um, Care Bear shirt that was I remember. like Vivian Westwood with the two dicks like I, together. You know, I like was the, fr- the, the, I was the famous cowboy, a famous cowboy photo. I think my my uh, first Tiga experience was Sunglasses at Night. So that was a big record. Yeah, I think I, I came to see you play. It was at what at the time was Demp for yeah, it was it. yeah. And uh, I sought you out. Anyway, I think the nice thing about that was when when you it happens periodically when like you have a sense of who someone's going to be, and it's exactly what you had hoped for. You know. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah I mean, like, like our relationship, you know, it's really open. We talk about a lot of philosophical things, funny things. So instantly going in, we had this kind of intellectual kind of comedy and perspective of life. You know, so then that's kind of almost set the pace of our conversations ever since. So part of the reason I want to do this whole thing, I mean, the idea is to interview people I'm interested in. Because I, I find myself now like looking for the ideas of inspiration and passion. Like what is it that fuels creative people trying to get the source? And I, I keep coming up with that a lot of great ideas come from childhood. You know, at least I know for me, like you're making tracks and there's so many things that actually when you trace back the origin of your taste, you trace back. And it goes way back to like when you're actually a kid. So because I do want to get into like your history and your upbringing a little bit. Is there something that comes to mind like a really maybe a beautiful memory or a nice memory of music, listening to music when you're really, really young, like maybe with your family or, or how did you guys experience music in your house? Well, you you met my parents. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I came from a very kind of musical household and the kind of music and family, I guess, has always been a thing with us. Um, I guess I'll start with my mom was adopted by two Native Americans, you know, uh, who were like quite conservative. But my grandfather was really into like jazz and classical music when I was a kid. So when I was very, very young, like from being born to, you know, maybe uh, let's say seven or eight, that's when I kind of got into more modern music. I only listened to kind of classical and jazz music. Like I was really into it. My mom would put it on every night. Like when I was going to sleep, and that's just like what because you know, she read in some like mother's book that yeah. to make someone more intelligent, you put classical music when they go to bed. And my grandpa loved jazz, so I was we would do that. And I was go to the public library, you know, back then you'd go to the public library and you could like take out CDs or stuff, take out music. And uh, then I got a little bit older, and my mom, when I was around eight, started uh, 
dating this guy who's not my stepfather, you know, however many years later. And I was like maybe seven even. And he had a radio show on uh, the local kind of radio station called Fade to Black. This is in Detroit? This is in Kalamazoo. Okay, Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo Michigan. Yeah, where I'm, where I'm originally from. Like, I mean, my mom already really was into like Steely Dan and Prince and, you know, all sorts of stuff. Red Hot Chili Pepper, like everything. My mom's very, my mother is very musically eclectic. It's much more of my mom's taste in music, I think, that rubbed off on me that rather than my radio station. What was your dad playing? So he, he played kind of R&B, rap, and um, kind of a little bit of house, but mostly R&B, like soul jam, R&B stuff, and, and rap, but where I kind of like, at some point, because I guess maybe he was into it, or my parents were into it, I really pushed that away. And I, I grew up in a college town, so this was on a college radio, radio show, and... Um, the one thing about this, though, I would go to the station. You know, he'd take me to the station. I'd get to go to the station, sometimes stay up late. And I would get to go in, like, the promo room and pick up these CDs, right? So I, like, discovered Sublime's, like, kind of first demo before Sublime, Sublime, and all this stuff. And then, like, when it was, like, it's a college band. And I'd get all these kind of weird CDs and kind of, like, indie stuff. And that kind of started to shape my taste, you know? And also, you know, in, like it was, like, the 90s then, you know, alternative rock and college rock was like a big thing, you know? So I kind of got into this kind of being alternative scene, you know? That was like a real inspiration to me, which kind of later led me into dance music. It was the kind of what? alternative outsider culture of it that I really was your, so, was turned on. To. So your father was a DJ. Was yes. he a radio DJ? Did he also radio play in D- clubs? All, he, he had like a night at a club where him, it was called Club 340, <laughs> and him and all his friends are DJs. So one would play house, one would play kind of like rap and like scratch and stuff. And Sherman was the MC. How old was he? He was the hype man. How old was he at this time? Like mid-20s he must have been. So would you say, so your mom was into all kinds of different stuff. And you're getting very eclectic tastes early. Reggae and stuff. Also my mom's best friend was like the lead singer in like the kind of, the biggest regional like West Michigan reggae band, right? The Jaw Kings is what they were called. So we would go to like this commune and like hang out. It was just like yeah, hippies. I, mean, you I know about it. that. You, oh yeah, yeah, no. yeah, I know you know about that. Well, I know for me, for me, for yeah. example, like I had vaguely same thing. You know, it's like very, very tastes at home. But I'm interested to know, kind of as a kid, I know what I did. You know, what you rebel against and what you kind of align yourself with. Did you identify your dad as a DJ? Because we're both second yeah. generation DJs, which yeah. is something somewhat unique. Yeah, you know? it's very unique. Yeah. And I and I always wondered, like, I never really thought about it when I was a kid, until people started asking me in interview questions. So I'm wondering, like, did you actually identify like that's yeah, something my dad so. does? I remember, like, also he was like kind of the first positive role model in my life. So I guess I, I remember male role model, I guess. So I remember at some time being like. You know, he's like a radio DJ, but me thinking like, you know, very young, eight, ten, being like, I want to be a DJ. Okay, <laughs> so it was so the thought yeah. you so can like trace I, the thought to that. that yeah, long like and ago. after that, that's when I started going home and making like little tapes. You know, when okay. you'd you'd get a tape and then it'd be playing on the radio, and then you record your favorite songs, like only that little bit of the song, and then you'd stop the tape and then wait for yeah. the next song to come on, and then you like hit record really pause quick. button, you'd pause pause record, right? Did but, you ever help your dad find records? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Like our whole basement was just like a record, a music room, right? So it's like he had all this like records and CDs, and then him and his friends would be down there playing music, and I was like, you know, be like, go down there and tell him to turn down. It sounds like you had pretty cool parents, yeah. and I've met them, and they are cool parents, <laughs> and they're great, and they were young. Yeah, my mom had me in when she was eighteen. Do you, you think know? you? So I think that like having being that close in age. You know, it's like almost being raised yeah, by like an older, like older sister. sister. But do you feel yeah. ever like, what did you have to rebel against? Well, the thing I really was rebelling against more than anything was, and this is by not getting into kind of rap music, I guess, and hip hop, was like my grandmother lived in like kind of like the ghetto part of the city and black African-American family, a little sub-economic. And I, I remember the stereotype from hip-hop music and rap music and how I didn't really like the narrative and how that felt. Were a lot of your friends into it? No, yeah, you know, people were into it. You know, it was like the 90s, whatever, you know? Yeah, but I mean, your actual, like, you had but good like the, friends that were yeah, into so, it? Yeah, some of them were. A lot of them were. But, like, for me, it was a thing that I didn't like because, basically, because I grew up a little bit outside of town in a different part of town where I, you know, I, and I speak how I do, where I, for black kids, I was never black enough and white kids, I was always the token black guy, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to, like, be categorized you know, so then the thing I rebelled musically against. Well, was, that's pretty big, though. Was what like saying urban music, wanting. urban music, and yeah, and this this black American stereotype. You know, that was that was something where I was like, why can't I just be Seth? 
you know, and that's something that kind of led me to indie rock and techno music because, you know, there's a stereotype that came with it, but it wasn't that negative stereotype that I saw bring down my social demographic. When you were younger, or for that matter now, do you like the idea of having a hero? Like, is it something, I always liked having heroes. I liked having targets. For me, for example, getting a little bit specific about our DJ lives and stuff. I mean, Jeff Mills changed my life categorically. I saw Jeff play yeah. in New York. I was 18 years old and it was like, done deal. Did you ever have a specific 100%. hero? Like someone that you 100%. looked up to? Who, who? Rich and really Ricardo. I mean, being from Detroit, you know? Rich. Like Richie Houghton. Yeah, yeah no, no, I know. <laughs> yeah, so like, well, being from Detroit. Not Richard Branson? Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe not more. He's dyslexic. He's dyslexic. I'm like, I'm like, I get it. I, I see where you're. Who's you're, dyslexic? Richard Branson. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Dope. Dope, right? So Richie Houghton so and Rich, Ricardo. Ricardo, yeah. Because like, I mean, I remember seeing Rich as a DJ. I was 15. I went to this party, and it changed my life. I was just like, what the fuck? You know, like, boom. Richie in Detroit. You're Richie 15. Richie in Detroit. Yeah, well, I was 15. Control 2. And I was just like, this is the best day ever. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. still in my mind. Exactly. It's the exactly. best party that's I've what, ever That's been. what I'm looking for. It's like you're back in your bedroom plotting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like <laughs> DJ set up looking at the poster on the wall. Exactly. Just like. Poster. Poster. Like Ray Flyers and posters all over the wall. It's funny. Even John Aquaviva and stuff. I used to collect all these DJs like. Uh, like signature. I was a fan. Like, same. I was a super raver. But I think being a fan is a beautiful thing. I think the longer, I'm still a fan. same. The longer you can keep <laughs> the fan vibe going, it insulates you against all kinds of bullshit. It does you because you go to a party and I like I'm like mm. no matter what like you see some people dancing you're like I love this <laughs> this is the best. So what about was there something about Richie? Was the music he was the playing? Music, the music, the everything. I mean, bald Rich was he was at the top. Is he of wearing his, those little black sunglasses? Yeah, those the little, little black glasses. glasses. Man, that guy was he's an alien. It just like created so many different things in my mind and then ricardo as a producer because we didn't really know him as this crazy party guy or he was just this faceless guy making this music and then at that time perlone had just started i was a teenager 2003 2002 2002. yeah yeah and we're like we're like how how is this guy making this fucking music like Mm. this doesn't make any sense like you know ricardo stuff's hard to get a yeah it's hard to find at that time you know like now it like it makes sense because everyone's doing modular music and you know, kind of, he created a whole genre of what people kind of copy off of now, you know? But at that time, it was just like hearing it and just being like, how the fuck do you make that noise? You know, no, before, know. before knowing what like an Eventide was or these other things, you'd just be like, how? And we'd sit in our basement with like Ryan and Lee and just like literally study the music. Like, just be like, sit there and be like, well, yeah, I hear this noise and that noise. And like, I was like obsessed with these people, you know? Yeah, That's kind of funny now because they're like peers and friends. Even did you, you for a little a while? I was like, "Who is this Tiga guy? Right, so stylish." Yo, so keep cool. going. Tell me more. Tell me more. Right, don't stop now. When All you, these like clever pop dance songs. Like, how is he doing it? When you say you studied, what a label. When you say you studied things, uh, take a Ricardo record, like because I know I study things, but I tend to not break them down musically so much. I tend to break them down a little bit more like conceptually, who the person is, what he looks like. Maybe a bit more surface. How deep do you get into the musical analysis? Like you mentioned, like an even tide. Or like, are you I one think, of those guys that actually sits there? Like, how how did he make that no, sound? No, I mean, I'm not that big of a geek. No, okay. but like for me, no, no. But some people are. Some people are. Some people are deep like, on that. I know but loads no, of guys that they actually they get that deep. I, was, I don't. It was kind of like more for me, like analyzing the sound depth. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and the, the like the spatial sound. That like he was using and kind mm. of like these like subtextures and stuff. So kind of analyzing the concept of the music, right? Same with a lot of the Prolone stuff, all this other micro house stuff that was coming out then. Did you feel you were gonna be like a big DJ? I always was there the basic self belief. Like it was like I mean a lot of people even said I, I was talking to this guy the other day, um, Marco Zanker, one of the Zanker brothers, right? I was at this club in Munich and we were talking and he was like, ten years ago I remember it was when I first gigs in Europe. He was like, you're this young guy, came over here and played, and he's like, and you were so fucking confident. You're like, you, you guys were just like, yeah, we're going to come over here and we're doing it. And he's like, and you did it. You did exactly what you said you were going to do. And it was like, there was never a doubt in my mind. When I was like 16, I was like, I want to be one of the biggest DJs in the world. I want to be the best DJ in the world. And then I think I worked up to that, to the resident advisor thing when I was like 26. And then it left kind of a vacuum in my life where I was just like, what else do I have to accomplish? This was like my dream my whole life. And mm-hmm. then... 
it just like, I was like, well, I'm 26 and I'm like, I've done it. What now? Did you, you know? did you, one big difference I think between kind of now and then, it's also a trope yeah. I don't want to get too into, but when I dreamt of being a DJ, there was absolutely no financial component. Yeah, that wasn't a like, thing either. You, was there, was there any, no, right? No. Like there wasn't even a conception of this I could be a career. I didn't even know you career. could make money to do this. Exactly. I just knew like I wanted to be like that caliber of good. You know, of of exceptional, as in like music selection. Like Danny Tenaglia was also a big a big influence and hero of mine because like how he mixed the music that he'd mix it, and it's like anytime I'd play, I'm like I'm not good enough, and I'd listen to these mixes until I'm as good as these guys. That was the whole thing in my mind, you mm-hmm. know. Like and so until I'm as good as Richie Houghton, or like now I play after you know we play it next to each other, which it's incredible. It's like mind blowing. I'm like, but in my mind back then. Even Sasha and Digweed, you know, I was like, until I can be as tight as these guys and do this, I'm not good enough. And when you say good, see, I've always seen you as like a real DJ. Yeah. And when I say that, I mean that your your creative ambition was to technically be as good a DJ. So you were that was that came before saying, oh God, I want to make an insane track, or oh God, I actually only got into making tracks to support DJ. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, my yeah. friends were like, you know, maybe we should try to put some of this out, or like he's like, they're like, you'll get more gigs if you like put out music and i did you was ever, like did right. you ever want to be a pop star did you ever no, want to be a singer in a band did no, you ever i did want to be a singer in a band for a little bit but i can't sing you can sexy talk i can sex i, I figured that out now <laughs> i can sexy talk in a room by myself i know that moment <laughs> no there's that moment when you realize you can you can, you like, can sexy speak talk, talk. Yeah, like, speak talk da, 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 da. it's a it's a the door it's a door in thing. your life opens it opens can, yeah we touch a little bit on confidence. Confidence is one of those things that's like massively important. And yeah. it's really hard to quantify where it comes from, whatever. Personally, I once was told by um, Gotti from Wolf and Lamb, I have an undeserved sense of confidence. Yeah. I know, <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Well, there's a, there is a zone where confidence touches into delusion. You know? Yeah, yeah. But you can't be delusionally confident because you have to just be like, if you know you're going to do something, you just do it. You know, I, I firmly believe in that. Sometimes just being any kind of confident, just as long as but it delusional pushes you. confidence is like the worst when you see someone who's like really confident about something, but you're just like, no way this is going to fucking happen. So I got a lot of questions that are straight up like they're like shrink questions okay. almost. As you've now, I, I hate my father. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I know I know you well enough to know like you're a very ambitious guy. Yeah. You're you've got all kinds of plans. It might not be. I mean, so, that, you're I interested think, in the art of business. I think the, that goes the, back into the hero thing, right? So I think when I was younger, like heroes were like musical heroes, and now, now, yeah, the, now the people who? who are my heroes are kind of like. I, this, is, this sounds bad because no, no, you're you're kind of one of them. But people who are slightly older or much older than you, who are kind of these men that you kind of wish to become, you know. When you're younger, they're like celebrities or kind of these people who are really far away. But I think once you get older, you start to see people around you who are doing good at life. And, but also you see things from people, let's say, who are before kind of some of my heroes or whatever. And I see some moves that they've made. And I'm like, maybe, you know, that guy isn't my hero, my life hero anymore. Yeah. You know, and I'm not talking about Rich or anyone specifically, but like other peers and stuff. And you're just like... Maybe this isn't, you know, the dream that I want, you know? So these things, these things change. I'm yeah, sorry no. to interrupt your no, no, question. Okay. What was the question again? Um, I think my question was just more, some of these things are personal because they're things that I myself am thinking about so much now. Uh, one, an idea I have a lot lately is, is, you know, you mentioned people that are doing well at life or people that are just living well and people you look up to. What's something you feel inside you consistently have to keep in check or have to, that maybe holds you back? My kind of laziness at times, you know? What is that really? Like, like is I it- get so much done, right? People, you know, you know, 32, I've got this great, my life is great from the outside. But actually, generally, I could be a lot more successful and, like, do a lot more in my life. But I, there's a lot of time spent, like, you know. Doing nothing. Doing nothing. And why do you, I mean, this is something very close to my heart. Yeah. <laughs> How self-critical are you? I incredibly self-critical. Every time when I see one of those books, they're like, are you a psychopath? Or like, you know, I'm just like, am I? You got a bit of that vibe. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm a crazy person. I, I have weird reactions towards things. and yeah, it's, Are you sensitive? I, the thing is, I, I'm not sensitive at all. Really? I'm like post-sensitive. Like, you know, I'm very logical. Everything in my mind is logic-based, right? <laughs> I always think it's so funny, by the way. Sorry to interrupt, <laughs> but I always think, because I know you so well, I always think it's so funny how... The image clashes so much with the real you. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's so many people that see you up there 
and just hey, your yeah. arms are waving and they don't know this. Yeah, know? yeah, they don't notice that I'm just actually like thinking like a lot. very neurotic. <laughs> like You're I'm super neurotic. neurotic. Yeah, like crazy neurotic guy. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so you self you you're self critical. Do you analyze? I wish I wish I could, I could be more emotionally sensitive. You know, like for me, I'm just very like there's only there's a straight line to A to B, but that's not life. It's very great. You know, my my girlfriend, she's incredibly emotionally sensitive, and like my my assistant as well. And I I just say I'm kind of like Larry in that with Larry David in that way. Oh, where, I know who you meant when you said that. One when I just kind of like I don't think about emotion often when when judging situations or things which i think often also pushes you towards success because you just like boom a b it's this is this is the straight path i really liked i read i listened to an interview i read something you said that actually i thought was really very sweet i and mean nice. i am a very sweet compassionate you person are. you know but i don't totally buy the thing about how little you feel or whatever i mean i, I know what you mean but i'm not challenging it yeah. but you said something i thought was really interesting was it music has sometimes let you know that you feel. Because I see your giant strength as a DJ, actually, ironically, is the generosity. Like, you are, in those moments, you do seem really connected, and you do seem really giving. That's Because I know, like, when me and you do back-to-back, yeah. there are moments where I'm like, this dude's giving it. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's really, you know, but in a really yeah. sweet way. I think that, it's kind of funny, because that is exactly my deep connection with music, is it allows me to feel the things that, as a person, I normally don't feel. Like I don't cry. I don't. I see a sad movie. I hear something. Not even on an airplane. No, I, I, a couple times. See, a couple times the airplanes got me. <laughs> airplane and a lot of gin. And then, airplane's not fair. You know, but generally, I have a really hard time emotionally. You know, with things and with music, it's the thing. Music and art. You know, if I go to an art exhibition and I can see this feeling, I can feel something. Where generally in my life, I, I very much lack feeling it's with, weird with music being let's say the the ticket to emotion yeah or like it's my it's my it, ticket to emotion it's the only way i can feel considering that yeah as we you know as me and you have done when you talk about exit strategy when you talk about getting off the dj yeah. merry-go-round whatever considering that that right now is kind of your only real connection to emotion do you think it ever could be replaced oh, by uh, a restaurant career or by i mean really what would happen yeah but then also Seeing other people feel gives me great feeling. You know, when I see someone like really enjoying themselves, right? when I throw parties or do other things, like a crowd I, or like a individual? a crowd, an individual, anything. When I see if I can, if I'm cooking or making music, and I can do something that makes other people happy, then I feel like achieved or happy. Like for example, any success I've ever had in my life, then I've I've just been like meh. But when I see my mom happy, then I'm like, this is incredible. I'm happy she's happy. But like myself, I don't really care. Yeah, it's interesting. See, I noticed one thing. I was like, you're always, you're never alone. I never see you alone. No. I'm always alone. Yeah. What's up with that? I don't know. <laughs> I used to hate to be alone. Like I really hated being alone. I love being alone. Now I love being alone, but have created a situation where I'm never alone. That's, but also, so it's too, like, I'm you, like, fuck. But what like you described, is though, <laughs> but I think that thing about how you like seeing other people happy. That's the, the, the basis that's the of it. the feeling for me. It's crazy, like, because I'll play a song and, like, this thing will come over me and I'll almost start to cry and I'll be like, Jesus, what's happening? But, like, you know, like, someone will die and I'll just be like, hmm, that's unfortunate. You know, <laughs> like, it's like, I don't yeah. know, maybe it's like so many years repressing emotion that, like, day-to-day things don't really, I don't know, it's, I'm, yeah, I'm, a, I, I, I'm an I know, extremely damaged person. I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> like, I, I got a couple of DJing questions. All right. Um, <laughs> Well, this ties into a little bit to, you know, the connection with the crowd or try to be as specific as you can. Okay. The phrase we all know, reading the crowd, yeah. right? This is something everyone, it's like a, it's like a generic term. You know? It's a thing though. For you. Some people don't know. A lot of people don't know how to do it. For you specifically, <laughs> what does that mean? What are you actually doing? Do you monitor crowd movements? Is it energy level? Do you have a guy you reference consistently? Are you looking at facial expressions? Well, I, guess, I guess like this goes back to the emotional thing, right? I guess at some, I mean, sometimes you, you do it well and sometimes you fail. I kind of more, instead of reading the crowd, I analyze the situation, right? And then I put myself in that situation and think, what would I need to be entertained? Or like, what vibe would I actually, I'm in this room, it's like curation. Do you, you relate know? to it as a party goer? As a person at the party. Just like, as a person. Like, like, one, I really like to rave, but also I really like to relax. Hmm. So, like, sometimes you'll be in a... <laughs> you know? So, like, you know, but you have to, I think, 
as a DJ, our job is to curate music for any situation or or room. Like the room we're in right now is really beautiful. Like I would shoot myself in the head if you locked me in here listening to house music. Like uh, having a little look at this this beautiful view and like it's raining, you know. But maybe this like even too much ambient would be too much. Like the silence is 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 beautiful nice here. here. It's so nice in this room, the silence and the glass and everything. But I think when you're in a party, like you need to play the music that fits the time, and you know the people are playing after you. You have to consider, you know, not consider yourself. You're a considerate DJ. I'm a very considerate person. I consider everyone else but myself in my entire life. Yeah, Every- so you see all the feelings you have. Yeah, but not it's it's a politeness thing. <laughs> I don't know if it's not. A- Remember what happened in the elevator downstairs? Huh? You're a polite guy. I'm a polite guy. I'm very polite. But do I feel? I don't know. I feel anxiety from not being polite. <laughs> So no. I think it's like trying to escape anxiety <laughs> rather than true compassion. Okay. Whatever, get, whatever, whatever gets you there. Uh, what's the most pressure you've ever felt playing a set? I mean, if, if there's a specific um, party, a specific moment where you, I mean, you really felt pressure. I think any time I have to play a show with my peers, I feel pressure. Like let's say a time warp or a big Okay, thing. you can't feel the same now that you did 10 years ago. I feel it every time. Same. Same, yeah. Do you worry about fucking up? Yeah, every day. Every day I wake up and I think, can I do this today? Because, you know, music is very, very temperamental. Like, it's your flavor of the week, right? A couple bad sets. Every week I play at DC10, I'm like, if I don't deliver this week, guys, you know what? Seth Troxler, he, he moves down but the you list. Really, you, you really feel that? I really feel like that. You really I'm, live I'm with that, that, I'm with that, that really, pressure? All the time. I mean, but also when I play, I, I don't really care, and I just go up there and do it. Do you think your peers live with that pressure? I think everyone lives with that pressure. You know what I'm saying? It's our life. You if, you had, if you had a, a couple bad gigs, next year your shit is over. Okay. How I mean, have... Or you can be like you and just talk about it online, and it's like your highlight. That was a trick. That was a magic trick. A magic trick. Um, what a... But I, I think that I think that even that that thing that you, when you were being really honest online and everyone was like, "Thanks for being honest with us," you know, it shows how really much all of us are thinking of it. You know, but yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I'm not asking you like as if I'm surprised. It's yeah. more just you know, it's we are, we all have this built-in sense that somehow everyone else is a little bit more sorted than, than us. Yeah. You know, I think that I think we all carry that around. I mean, a considering bit. that I do everything completely on the fly, like that's one thing. Like I, I do get very nervous, but I also never prepare. Well, that's good. I like, you know, you have that chance approach to it. I love the chance approach. I think that's important. That's how I am in the studio. Yeah, chance is everything. Same. It's just like, what happens? Because I feel like it's almost a pre-narrative. Like, even when I'm, like, looking for songs on the CDJ, I feel like they just pop out. And I'm like, oh. And then it's like, it's it's almost there already. And you're like, oh, yeah. And the times when they don't pop out is when you start to scramble. You know? Like, like normally, I'm spoken through it. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, that that would work. Yeah. But like when they don't just like kind of appear to you or like I think like same you said in, in the studio, if you go in the studio with too much of a predetermined idea, then you lose all the creative flow. I mean rough, Art, artistic roughly roughly percentage wise, like how often do you finish a set and be like, I killed it? And how often are you just kinda like whatever? I'm like Jordan in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. No, I mean No, just by your own criteria. Like are you thinking no, about it? No, after? no, no. I, I I think I mean it's nothing to do with even how they react I mean there's very, like, very rarely and I'm not like, oh I killed it, you know? People tell you you're the good and you're like, oh, it's okay. It's funny though, because then you get sometimes the most compliments on sets that you were like, eh. I know. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. Like no, I just meant that's why I mean by your own you know your own standard. My own standard is maybe five percent, ten percent. That were really good. Well, I'm like that was exceptional. And how often? Like are we you... had melt together two years yeah. ago. That was a really that good one. Good. And how often are you like a little bit disappointed to yourself? About the same. About five oh, percent. Those are the extremes. Yeah. So music selection. I got a couple of questions. This is, uh-huh. One is a huge part of your whole thing is you're, you're a record collector, you're a music lover, and you have a very distinct taste. You know, you love some weird records, you love yeah. some wonky records, yeah. you like these. I know like, when listening to records, like at a record store, I can tell if I like the record in one, two seconds. Two seconds. It's like boom, boom. You're uh, also an old record store guy, right? Didn't you yeah, work at a record worked, store? I worked that's at a record where you, store for a long time. That's yeah. where you get the two seconds. Yeah. Sk- the two second uh, no. skill. Yeah. That and how to open vinyl on your leg. Yeah, on your leg. Yeah. <laughs> um, but how many times will you play Let's call it a weird record, okay? Yeah. You know the ones you really want to play? Yeah. Reaction is clearly 
lukewarm, yeah. but it's important to you. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's still part of your set. Or do you kind of give up after a few? I, that's that's where I go back to the curation thing. You know what I'm saying? I won't play a wonky record that's not appropriate for the time. I mean, but everything I play is kind of it's pretty wonky. Yeah. I, I also don't like weird records that are just weird to be weird. No. You know, which a lot of people are into these days, like this kind of... Like, oh, wow, it's so art. And I was like, this is fucking, this is fucking shit record, actually. Sounds bad. It's like too sad for me. You know, I like things to be like, my mind's going to explode. Like, you know, when the, the head in, uh, what's that? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Future. Oh, where the head opens up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Total Recall. Total Recall. I like my head to be like Total Recall, like <laughs> exploding. Like when, when I hear sounds, I'm like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> do you find as many do you find as many records you fall in love with now as you used to? Not new music. That's what I mean. New stuff. New music. I'm I'm often disappointed. A lot of people I talk to feel that way now, and I'm I want to think it's just like maybe an age thing or or an experience thing oh. that you have so many records already that you're maybe more picky. I hate to say they don't make them like they used to, but they don't. I mean, it seems I maybe think, like that. I, I just feel like there's like it's amazing that there's all this stuff available to kids to make music and for anyone you know music accessibility and the possibility to make music is more open than ever right but at the same time like we were talking about earlier how when we got into music it wasn't cool we didn't think there was gonna be any monetary success you know i think with how media and fame and all this stuff is today people don't take risk you know what i'm saying every few years someone will kind of come up with a new sound then it'll become popular and then eight million people will copy it and try to do it you know yeah and that's like the thing and also there's a whole generation of kids who don't really give a fuck about history of music or like didn't go through that like I was a ge- I was a geek we were geeks you know but you don't th- I think there are a lot of geeks now yeah but then they're like not the same type of geeks though they're kind of like hipster geeks which is like a different geekdom but I, okay you just let they're me not in- experimental geeks they're like knowledge based geeks yeah yeah they're curatorial geeks Ge- yeah like yeah research Re- geeks research geeks rather than just being like freak geek. <laughs> You know? Okay, obviously, post-internet, I actually think there are loads of geeks out there. I think there are loads of kids that are There's nine, more geeks now. 19 and they start dropping, you know, they know more about 93 than I do. Yeah. I sometimes wonder, now that that exists, the classic thing about, like, DJ as educator or DJ as, you know, the guy who really has all the secret tracks, is that still as big a thing as it used to be? I think DJ as educator is, is a really big thing because I think especially us as bigger DJs, we have a great platform to, you know, be real and honest and play mm-hmm. fucking like do our jobs, you know? And I think a lot of people, especially at our career kind of plateau or whatever, forget that and just go what's easy and what the kids are going to like and, you know, whatever it works rather than just, you know, taking those risks that like maybe you're not going to like this song. I mean, sometimes I, I do do that. I'm like, I'm like, this is not going down, but I don't go fuck. This yeah. is the jam. Actually, I actually had a glass I, I, thrown. I had a glass thrown in my face while DJing the other day for playing a disco record at the end, right to the dome. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck, fuck this." That's a bad it's like, feeling. Turned off the music and walked off stage. It was playing like techno, and then at the end, I was like, "There's five minutes left. Here's a little. We're in France. Here's a little French disco for you guys. Peace." And this guy was just like, Hoof. "He didn't. He, <laughs> you know? No, he wanted. But uh, banging techno. He did. Yeah, he wanted banging techno, but." And that sense, it's DJ as like kind of promoting different ideas is really important. If anyone in this, there's five people in this room right now. Let's say we all had the same record collection. We would not play this, those same songs in the same order or even choose to play those songs at the same time or anything. It's just like it's all that. That's the individuality. I got to jump into some rapid fire shit here. All right. right let's do it. First thing that comes you, to my mind. You, it's not somewhere I want to go, but I know in the past you've had some beefs with people. You know, mostly probably just because you're honest and you say what's on your mind at the time. My friend Gonzalez, who is an exceptionally smart guy, musician, everything, he has a theory that beefs and grudges among artists is actually a very healthy and natural thing. You know, like you see it in the hip hop community, you see you see it in the jazz community. Mm. That process of kind of hating on each other is something positive and yeah. it's important. Any I, comment on that? When that happens, is I that think, just you speak in your mind? Do you have any current grudges? No, I don't have any current yeah, grudges. I, I want some current. I want no, hot I, grudges. I, I, I don't want I, old grudges. No, I think, no, I, I don't like the down old grudge. I think the, the kind of grudge thing is speaking your mind and trying to speak up for your kind of culture and like, you know, and the music that you believe in, or like, you know, a jazz guy hitting on a jazz guy, or a hip hop guy hitting on a hip hop guy. It's like, it's like a call being like, yo, that's bullshit, actually. Everyone's like, on about this stuff, but actually, you're just like, no. No, fuck that. Like, culturally, we're better than that. That's kind of 
my thing with EDM for a while. I was like, this yeah, isn't, wanna, is, you know, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not really okay. <laughs> bringing that up anymore, but that was my motivation, you know, of just being like, actually, no, like, no, I'm, like, I'm going to be yeah. the first person to say it. I'll put my hand up and just be like, you know, fuck this. I think culturally, this is the problem that people don't want to argue with each other anymore. I think in any healthy relationship, whether it be like a music culture, a personal relationship, I think arguing and disagreement is good. You know, people don't have to agree with me, you know. I thought I think I, it's healthy. I kind of took exception at the time with your the anti EDM thing, not because I don't feel the same yeah. way. I just thought kind of I don't know. I, I thought I thought intrinsically it's such a different thing from what everyone else is doing that I hated even to kind of be in the same pool. But I but don't. That, wanna, but there, I, but there, there was that get, there was that cha- that it's it's gone back to how it was before. But there was that point when kind of well, you are on the same lineups. Yeah. No. No. So, no. No. But there's that point where culturally all of us were then now EDM musicians right there's like those few yeah, years where that term came in and then all of electronic music became edm and then my problem was like how ha- are these guys now like the stewards of all of our cultures and everything that we stand for mm-hmm. when really there's something completely different well, and that a, was me standing up yeah, for that, no, no, you know? I, but to put a positive spin on that whole old you know we don't talk about the edm thing anymore but You'll like this, maybe, because it's a bit of a, an analogy between EDM and Trump, which is like, you know, at a certain point when the bar gets lowered so much, yeah. do you think that helps you, as in it motivates you, or do you think the, the ship sinks with the tide? I mean, that's kind of funny when you're saying, like, you know, what are your current beefs, right? Here we and my, go. My current, beef, my current beefs aren't musical. They've become political. Yes. You know? But do you, do you feel – you know what I mean? Does it, does, no, we do have, you, to, we have you, to raise the bar. And do you think in, for you in your own creative life, has that actually happened? Or Because I think it's complicated. I, like, me and you have talked a lot about political things, you know, yeah. where we get really, really you, – you feel a lot. You get angry. You want to do things. Yeah. And then – I'll speak for myself. It doesn't always materialize. Yeah. And, and, f- and for myself, I think sometimes I wonder, am I lifting myself up in contrast or yeah. am I kind of slowly sinking with the, with the... I mean, like currently right now politically, I, I mean, I really try to inform my fans who may be less politically inclined to follow things of what's generally happening in the world. I'm also taking some steps to the next time in America, reaching out to some people about how to get more politically active, like on a very, on a much higher le- level, you know? And then, but musically, like right now, I've got this project coming out on... R&S was completely a different musical direction. Oh, this is the Saturn one. Yeah, right? Lost Souls of Saturn, yeah, uh, with Phil Moffa. And it's a completely different musical direction than what people know me for. But that music is a reaction to us being bored with kind of conventional music and how it's released and the concept and the lack of concept behind music and lack of experimentation. So I think when the, once the bar lowers culturally, then some people have to be there to lift that bar back up. How essential is it or how critical is it for you to actually make music you're on the dj circuit you're touring like all the time you've got all that pretty locked down and the world we live in now dj wise it seems you can almost keep doing it without really making that many tracks and and i did that for years but now that i've gotten back into being creative i think for me it's more important to create things than to make a a song that like with you know a fucking snare roll that kids dance to like that that is very unfulfilling you know but for me to create art to create concepts to create new sounds, new things that I'm kind of like surprised by, that's really important to me, you know? And that's why I have, I'm constantly doing all these projects and stuff because I need to keep my mind stimulated just for my own kind of mental health, you know? So now I've gone back to making music. I find it very important to put away some time of the year where I take time out of my schedule just to be creative and to work on a project, you know, like this album we've been working on took like two and a half years you know for us to kind of get to the point where the whole concept that we're trying to develop and the world that we're trying to build with it really became cohesive you know and i think people are very quick to just make a song like here's a song with no concept behind it and like present that as their their thing when i think it's just uh just commerce you know it's not really a lasting artifact you know i'm I'm really into the idea of legacy and artifact and like what small blip can like my very small life live on this planet you, do you know think, do like you, no one even knows who elvis is anymore so i got some like just little quick questions try to give quick answers quick, quick answers. answers so um some of them are okay so you got a favorite album beat happening by the beat happening i don't even know it okay that's good I'll, yeah I'll it's like it calvin me. johnson lead singer of the beat happening also started k records it's like this really shit indie rock band from the 80s it's like a three-piece band. Are there any styles of music that people you respect love and you just cannot get? 
you just don't like I, I argue with Martinez brothers all the time like Sal Soul yeah you know like I just can't yeah. I know it's good because I love them and I know there's the same with you there's records you love Ra- I just can't Ragatone you can't do it no <laughs> <laughs> do you, you love it I love it yeah I love it for me I got I got nah and I was like oh fuck. <laughs> Do you uh, you read? You're shaggy? A, you're, I, got, I got nothing. I don't for like him. Shaggy. I don't like Shaggy. <laughs> I don't like Shaggy. I love dancehall. I don't yeah. like Shaggy. You uh, do you read? Yes. You love to read? Yes. You have a favorite book or something that comes to mind? Favorite book or a book you've read recently that you love? I'm currently reading 2023, the new KLF. Oh, the KLF one. Yeah. I don't know about it. Huh? I have you, I I haven't gone through it all, but I, I was a bit. I think it's a little I'm bit wishy washy. First chapter. Do you like it? So far, so good. I'm obsessed with the KLF. I'm amazing. They changed my life. Yeah. I'm friends with Jimmy. What? You know yeah, Jimmy? Yeah, yeah. They completely. We're, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Yeah. While people are listening, they they not only changed my life, they kind of screwed my life. That's that's they what they do. They screwed my life up because all my ideas. Well, this leads into my my next thing. Actually, this is perfectly. also we're, we're that rapid firing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he rapid fired me. Well, it leads into okay. It leads into something. They poisoned my life with this idea of cool. Okay. So the idea is like, yeah, you make a million dollars, but you burn it. So that's my cool. question to you, that's cool. But, but what I'm saying is I still walk around and live and think about this word cool yeah. all the time. Do you think is cool still a real thing? Because everywhere I look, I see less and less of it by my own standards. Yeah. I see people succeeding on massive levels who seem to have disregarded it totally. I think is the, it still a real thing? I think the standard of cool has changed. The idea of cool. If you look at jazz cool, what we think is cool, we're not jazz cool. And those guys are really cool. Speak for yourself. You know, uh, you're quiet. You're <laughs> no, mysterious. I'm... You're a little jazz cool. So what's the new definition of cool? How does it change? And do you yourself YOLO. Feel... <laughs> but do you, can you, can you, but can you, can you, do you feel you can mesh with that? I don't know. Not at all. Not Same at here. All. But, I, but then that goes back to like the idea where I really truly believe in the basis of cool is not caring. It's uncool. Yeah. Right? It's not caring. Like, I heard this thing from Larry David. He's like, if you're looking for cool, don't look for me. You know? And I was like, that's so cool. Yeah. Is there somebody who's – somebody that comes – Losers to me have always been cool. Yeah. I, I like that. Is Disenfra- there somebody that comes – The disenfranchised loser, I'm like, wow. A name that comes to mind what? if I ask you somebody whose opinion you really respect. Particular person. First name that comes to mind. You. I really respect your opinion. Oh. Wow. Thank you. I mean, it's easier also because I'm looking at you, yeah, so it's like yeah. you came to mind first. But <laughs> <laughs> but, I but, do, but also, but I, also, I do of. very much respect oh. your opinion. Um, who 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 else? Uh, my friend Nicholas Matar. Um, I have a friend named Bart who's like older. I mean, yeah, I always find it's really important because especially like Craig I mean, Richards. Craig uh, Richards. Yeah, Craig. Yeah, his his opinion has uh, weighs a lot on on me. My mom's opinion weighs less. <laughs> That's horrible. No, no. She, she well, there was a time I think it probably meant more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, uh, something, again, something comes to mind. I know these things are hard sometimes off the top of your head, but a really, like, best decision you made. The best career decisions I ever made were based off of, like, what something like everyone would be like, oh, you should do this, you know? And I was like, nah. I don't think that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Right? Things you said no to. Things I said no to. Like bailing. Bailing. You know? <laughs> the pump, pleasure of bailing. Pump, pump faking. And then being uh, like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll see you there. I'm definitely not going. You know? Those were the yeah. those were the best kind of, I think, things I've ever done. You know? When people were like, oh, this seems so logical. It's going to be a huge success. And I'm like, it's not cool, man. Uh, I'm like, that's, no. Yeah. Is there something, can you think of a specific one? I can think of a, like a few, but then that puts things on blast. And I don't want to put that on. Forget there. it. Um, I believe when you scratch under the surface of all the psychological and Traumas. emotional and all that stuff, I Traumas. actually think that <laughs> I actually think that humans. I think we are just our habits, good uh, and bad. Hundred percent. What would you say is a very good habit and a very bad habit of yours? Good habit. I am incredibly polite. Um, bad habit. I am incredibly emotionally unsensitive. And do you feel those things like, well, let's say the bad habit, do you feel it's had repercussions? I mean, you. you, you oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> it's like a whole other podcast. Wow. <laughs> whole, just, just a whole. In relationships? Other, or, relationships, everything in my life. Yeah. Do you take steps to I, I, actively I, fight I, it? To, I do. To try to I, I do take. I have been taking reprogram. steps to be better, you know, and more emotionally sensitive. And I apologize a lot. And, you know, 
and I'm, I'm a lot better than I was. We've taught in this hour, polite has come up a lot. Generous has come up a lot. And I've also heard you in other interviews say about, you know, it's important not to be a dick. Yeah. I think you've actually said, do you think you're a nice person? Are you fighting something? Like, are you trying to stay nice? Or are no, you I, I, just... I, 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 I would hate to ever be called a nice guy. Okay. You know, like, who likes a nice guy? No, you know, no. No, I'm not. No, I'm, no, I, I, I'm not a nice guy, but I'm a very polite guy, you know? I'm like, I think so. nice enough. Too nice <laughs> enough. It's a nice, nice enough guy. Too, because no, too nice comes off as ingenuine, and then it's just like you, you're left with a bad taste in your mouth. Mm. You know, you're like, what is this? What well, is, I don't buy it. You're like, what? Is, yeah, I don't I buy it. What, buy what's it. this guy's motive? I never buy it. You never buy it. Well, they're too no, nice. No. It's like, uh, no, no. You know, what do you want from me? I'm instantly suspicious and bored. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you got to be like edgy enough to be like, but also polite enough to be like, oh, that's you know, well, just honest, honest, and honest has 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 some ugly stuff in it usually. That's the thing. That's the thing with my emotional insensitivity, though. I'm honest. I mean, I don't know if we really can get so deep in it, but I don't really find you emotionally insensitive. But because we're both honest, okay. Oh, my other friends who I'm sometimes also not looking for much. Like for for example, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I find truth and honesty. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Is incredibly relaxing. Yeah. Because when you feel it with someone else, your guard gets let down because you're just not dealing with bullshit. You're not dealing with bullshit. It's like I I I, I hate the privileged. You know, mm. the overprivileged. You know, we we're talking about this earlier in life where they've never felt anything and they have they have no true compassion for people. Let's say. Like, you know, the, the Republican Party or the 1%. They have no idea of the other side, you know, mm. the other side of how it could be, you know. And I, 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 that's one way where I'm very sensitive to looking at the plight of many people. And, like, you know, one of my favorite things in life, and it, one, actually, one of my most inspirational things in life is walking down the street or sitting somewhere and looking at people and trying to think of, like, every person has a really compelling story. Almost every person, like except for people who've like maybe done nothing interesting or taken no risk or had any real problems in their life. You know, that's uh, be a whole, for me, that's a horrible life. I think the pain of life and, and, and managing that pain and whether you like dwell on it or you continue is what makes really incredible people. You know, some people can have a trauma and then base their entire existence about that trauma. You know, mm-hmm. other people can have traumas and be like, you know what? I'm going to use this just to push on. Be like, you know, that's not going to define my life. Turn it into something. Turn, Make something of it. Make something of these experiences. I, I think that's beautiful. So I have to talk a bit about Martinez Brothers because yeah. I just, I love them so much. They remind me really kind of of everything I ever loved about I'll, I'll DJ speak, culture. Also, and, speaking of yin and, yin and yangs, them and me, and me are very yin and yang. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, 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 totally. <laughs> them and me, actually, I feel kind a lot of, of similarities kid, sorry, yeah, in weird ways. And nobody would think that. Yeah. Like, nobody. And a lot of my friends the are like, vibe, what are you? The vibe is the same. Yeah, and this kind of like, yo, what's we up? We just laugh. And, yeah. and, but I really, they meeting them and getting to be friends with them was really like, I don't know, just felt good because it reminds me a lot of uh, what I always loved about DJing. So I just want to ask, I mean, you obviously are super close to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anyone specifically other, like in your crew or somebody maybe coming up or somebody new? Yeah, that you feel like a bond to or somebody under your wing or somebody like that I don't know about. Somebody that's important to you now. I had a, uh, I don't know. We don't really know each other yet, but we had a, uh, we had a moment, a blossoming possible friendship. Usually that means everything. There's two people at Glastonbury, I spent an amazing 24 hours with this guy, Lone. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt. He's on RNS as well. Yeah, he's he? on RNS. Yeah. We really dug each other. We've been trying to meet. We haven't seen each other since. We've been trying to meet this whole, this AD, but kind of casually. Mm. You meet a guy and you're just like, they don't care enough. They kind of look at life the same way as you. And they, they we, you don't, don't try to, because a friendship, you should never have to try to be a friend. Mm. You know, it's like, it just happens, you know? So that guy, I've, I've been very impressed by, and I like his music. Okay, we've talked about it a lot, I guess, as we near the end. You know, we have, in our bitchier moments, you know, we talk a lot about business, yeah. portfolios, and tied into that is this idea of somehow leaving the DJ world. Yeah. You know, And it's something that, you know, a lot of guys talk about now. A lot of, I mean, they don't maybe publicize it, but it's something. So a question for you is, if you did stop, or when you do stop, whatever, these three things tell me kind of the proportions or what you would miss the most. Just the creativity, the, the ego reinforcement, 
which, you know, actually people care who you are. People scream your name. People look at you. You know, we all get used to it, but it is important and straight up money. Like, you know, if I told you right now, it's over. Creativity stays with you. You can continue to be creative. Well, I guess right? I mean more specifically the creativity, the, the, the creative feeling of DJing or of making tracks of like, wow, you're in the mix and it's just locked and everything's amazing. That's yeah, a feeling. That- I, could, I could still do that if I didn't do this professionally. There's a, there, there is that electrifying moment of seeing it really go off. And that's, that's something that you get addicted to. But I'm not pushing it. Like, yeah. I, like for myself, I don't really care about that anymore. Yeah. Like I just genuinely don't. Yeah, same, same. I've never really cared about that. I've never really cared about the admiration or that ego and I think the ego enforcement is the I thing. I cared when I was young. The thing that really tears down DJs, you know, when they get too into that game and start thinking that their life means something, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, the belief of self-importance, you know, I, I really anti the belief of self-importance. I think it puts, it's the wrong type of confidence. I'm not a doctor. I don't mm. save people. I, even though my kind of musically, we, yeah. may, we maybe save people's lives and well, emotionally, but yeah, I separate it. Like I'm incredibly confident because I think I am an incredible person. Yeah. What I actually do as a DJ is not, is not changing I, I the agree, world. I agree with you on that <laughs> for myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I know, I know. I like, I, I, I am, I am, I do have sometimes like a Jesus complex or like a, like a, like a, I'm a very, we have a built in belief in thing that you, love, you I'm like, like I'm a fucking genius. I think I'm, a, I think I'm a genius, you know? Would, I get very bored around people who I also don't consider to be geniuses. Do you still love like I'm just DJing? Like, I'm just like, fucking shut up. Like, don't you, don't you have anything else to talk about? Than, like, do you have current events, anything real of substance? Okay, well, this, <laughs> this, this is something I want to say. I recently got pretty obsessed with cryptocurrency, okay? And this is just typical of me. This I'm is getting just obsessed like, with that as well, right? Okay, we can talk later. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is, but this is typical for me of just, you know, it's always like that. Every few months, this is some new thing. As I got into more and more cryptocurrency, I started to read all these papers, listen to all these things, and it reminded me a lot of the early rave days. Just people rabidly excited and passionate about something they genuinely believe will change the world, discussing it with intelligence. And it made me think then, as I re-entered during my day, the music world, whatever, it felt kind of flat. I was like, where is that magic in the music world or the dance world? And so is that just my perspective? Or So let me ask you that. You said about, you know, you want to talk to people that have something to say. You want to talk to people that understand politics. Yeah. I feel sometimes a bit of a brain drain in the dance world. Do you I, feel that I or feel is that just I, am I hanging with I the wrong that, people? I mean, that's the thing. I feel that all the time, you know, like when let's say there's the thing that makes me think about getting out of electronic exactly. music or doing this is, you know, having to go and have these conversations with people and, and you know, in the backstage or somewhere and where'd you play? Da, 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 you know, these same 15 questions that you've heard a million times in your life. That's just like, how many times can I do this? I think ultimately that's yeah. what pulls you out. That's what pulls you out. I don't think in the end it's the money or the, no, or the, no, I no. think it's that. It's the drain on uh, mental capital, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, but because I you also, start I to... also feel like though we can't blame the industry for not being exciting and creative because it's our responsibility to make it as such. Yeah. You know? So if we want to make like, this shit like crazy new and exciting then gotta work harder i mean we've even come up with with cool ideas together that we haven't yet yeah, executed you're right you know that <laughs> you are right <laughs> no, starts that, uh, that starts are right that here. are political and exciting i know I you know? know so it's like it's like at at some point you have to take that responsibility and just being like what do i want my life to be do you still love djing i do love djing consistently yeah. or is it kind of the thing because well, I, I look at it like a relationship i had a yeah, yeah it is like a relationship <laughs> you know i love you sometimes and, and sometimes um, you're just like you're like yeah, just yeah. get just get out of my fucking face i'm gonna walk out of the house right now i'm gonna sit in my car alone and i'm gonna be like happy as larry um yeah no i mean i've had times and definitely that where i'm like i fucking hate this job you know and then i brought it back and i'm like I don't know what I would do without you. you know? But do you? But but do you? When you when you do the daydream thing, yeah. the thing of being a you know when you think of being a mogul or a restaurateur or getting deep into the art scene or just general business, like we all do, you know, how far do you take that in your head? Can you actually visualize leaving this all behind? I can. Yeah. yeah. And you think you'd be okay with it? I think I'll be I'll be okay yeah, with when it. the time yeah. comes. When the time comes, I think so. That's yeah. how I feel about it. But also, think too, like, you know, it, 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 it runs deep at this point. I just really want to maximize my life potential. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I there's feel, a lot to do. Uh, there's a lot to do. Hmm. And I feel like I've got this whole thing, 2027. 
20 years. I had a whole thing 2017. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't do it all. Yeah. 2027. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got another 10 I gotta years. I got updated. I'm going yeah. 2027 2027. And it's also not, maybe not like leaving it all behind, but it's just evolving. You know, I don't want to be playing 120 shows a, a year for the next you know, 20 mm. years. <sighs> that is an appeal to my kind of life a life goal. And musically, as a producer, as an artist, as a, you know. See, I think artist is only going to cre- increase. Like, yeah. I'm now getting older and I'm feeling that concept. Like, how how can we shift culture? How can we change ideas? How can we put things out there that, that changes humanity? That's what I'm, I'm do into Do you feel now. as an artist, do you walk around, like when you're in bed at night or whatever, do you have a sense, like, whoa, my work is not done? Like, yeah. Do you have, I remember for me, still, I always have but this I idea, think- like, there's a Tiga album that I just haven't done that's going to squash everything I else. Is, I don't really consider myself as a musician or an artist. I'm, a, I'm an artist. I create things. I come up with an idea. I'm an ideas person, you know? I, I do music, but I am also doing other things. You know, I'm, I'm getting more into other things. I think in a much more broad sense about creativity and art when I'm DJing, the capacity of my thought is more artistic than just like musician-based. Mm. You know, my, when I make music, it's not about making a hit. It's about creating some sound dynamic did you ever want to make a hit no no eh? no see i always want to make a hit yeah but you're you look you sing you dance yeah. you got you got it all yeah. you got a smile <laughs> good good teeth you're like come on you you love bowie you're made to be a star okay you know um i think that's a great way to end no but uh, <laughs> yeah. i think no there's one thing i want to ask you because funny i've heard you mention a few times and it's a bit you know, we might, we haven't really touched on the spiritual at all, but it's a nice way to end because it's important. Do you believe in an afterlife? I do. I believe in a few different things, but truly, I look yeah, at yeah, real talk. Real this talk. is real. This is. I think life, let's say, is a it's possibly reincarnation based, possibly holographic experience. But I think you're you're meant to come here with some type of moral mission. I will get. You got to figure out some stuff, right? And the keys are there, and there's there's rules to this plane, and both heaven and hell are happening all the time here, and your experience can be really far on either way, right? Depending on choice and circumstance, and you know sometimes you have to beat circumstance by choice. That's how you get further in the game, you know. And I I truly believe that like maybe until you really you know ascend or however you get to there's some great philosophical question that needs to be answered at the end you know and no matter what direction you get there whether you're a buddhist or you know a bum or however if you can have that epiphany at the end of your life maybe it unlocks a bonus level or Mm -hmm. maybe you can get out of this perpetual cycle of pain you know and suffering to you know like have the great the great conscious realization of truth you know yeah i got one last question I, <laughs> I, well i forgot this one this is one that i yeah. kind of i've been asking a lot of people lately because i think it's a tough one to answer but do you consider yourself overrated or underrated under underrated mm-hmm. yeah what i truly believe is i am stereotyped without people musically really taking mm. the uh, the art and stuff and into a factor you know yeah like I think I, I, maybe for a long time being kind of like a funny dancing monkey type guy hmm. overshadowed the actual accomplishments and the things that I do. And it would it be safe to say that, you know, whatever we want to call it, phase two is to bring phase, that into balance. Phase and, two. That's that's everything that I'm doing now is just like, don't forget that actually hmm. I am a neurotic genius. Well, I think you. <laughs> well, I think I think you're a neurotic genius. And I think that that. I think that that's, that's got legs, that idea, yeah. and that, that side. And I wish you, now all, it's just about flipping I wish it, you the best of luck with it. Flipping it completely, like like Steve Martin. Mm. You know Steve Martin? You read his books? Huh? You got to read the Bible. I got to read the books. But like Steve Martin, hey, he, he was the, what, the, not the joke, but the, uh, the, the film with Steve Martin. Uh, the Jerk. The Jerk. How opposite is that of, of the real Steve Martin? Yeah, a lot of time. I mean, look. People consciously, now he does, now he does, they, does, they make characters yeah. deliberately. You know, yeah, you know? so like I almost made – I make a character that allows me to get through this thing that I'm able to interact with people and you know not expose my true self so much. But now the real Seth is coming back. And, I love it. And he's fucking raw. <laughs> K, real Seth. 
Um, it's been fun. It's been fun. Thanks yeah. for taking so much time. And it's new to me to do this. I'm trying to learn to listen to other people and to talk less myself. <laughs> and uh, thank you for, uh, we have a, a really nice friendship and I always enjoy talking to you. And thanks. Best of luck with it's everything. Been a lot. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Take cool. it. Thanks for inviting me. For rights reasons, my legal team has told me that we can't include audio in the podcast, but you can find all the tracks that we talk about on our SoundCloud and Spotify pages. Also a note that some of these episodes were recorded in the summer of 2018, so don't freak out if the parties they're talking about have already happened, or if people have passed away, or if there's some other small inconsistencies. We will all just have to do our best to accept that. Thank you very much for joining me. That was Last Party on Earth with me, your host, Tiga. Last, last party, party on Earth. When I DJ, if people love what I do, I get to see your hands in the air and I get to hear you scream my name. With a podcast, the equivalent is please review my podcast, rate my podcast, share it with friends. Um, it really goes a long way to helping promote Last party on earth and getting it out to more listeners. Also, I'd like everyone to know that I will be back with series two, another batch of six episodes with a whole new host of exciting guests, and that will be coming soon. So stay tuned. Thank you.